All right, hi everybody. I'm Timmy, this is Christina. We are with Canine Crafters. Our business has been open since 2020 and Christina started with us about a year ago. She's been in training for a long time, but she's finally doing stuff on her own and she's now manning the board and train program. And I'm getting ready to leave for about a year for military stuff. So in the meantime, she's your go-to girl. So we've had some comments on a recent post that we just put up and some people want to hear how to do some things, how to correct some behaviors, maybe just some general knowledge, what kind of e-collars that we use and that kind of stuff. So we are going to go over some of that. Um, is there anything else you can think of? Um, not at this time. I do want to say that um, training dogs is very rewarding for me. Um, I look forward to getting to meet more of you and um, working with some of you. So hopefully we get to, we get to meet sometime. Well, the reason that the company got into the dog training aspect is I was a police canine handler before this. A lot of you guys know that, um, learned how to train my police canine and spent a lot of time doing that. And then I got out of law enforcement to open up my own company. And I was doing a lot of research and learning how to train pet dogs since I knew a lot about police canine stuff. And I really wanted to get into the world of pet dog training. So fast forward to now, I have over 4,000 hours of dog training. And Christina is up around the probably 500 hours mark now. Maybe oh, it's probably more than that. More than a thousand or something even. Yeah. And um, so we've we've spent a lot of time with pet dogs. But the main reason why we wanted to continue this is to keep dogs out of shelters, to let people enjoy their relationships with their dogs. And a lot of people just, they don't get to have that positive relationship because there's so many issues going on with their dog. And it could be a number of things like severe separation anxiety, where every time they leave their house, they're coming home to the dog breaking out of the cage or chewing up furniture, chewing up their belongings, peeing, pooping on the floor, whatever. Like who wants to come home to that? Obviously it's an issue and they, don't want to maintain the dog because they don't know what to do with it at that point. So that's where we can come in and help stop those behaviors so that they can actually enjoy their dog and their time with their dog again. Because all these dogs getting put in shelters, there are so many dogs that are just killed in shelters just because they're overran. There's so many dogs in there and they don't have a choice because their staffing is low, their capacity, can't handle that many dogs. So we're trying to prevent that. Uh, I know that I really enjoy my relationship with my dogs. And if I didn't know how to handle some issues and they got to that point, I wouldn't want to get rid of my dog. But I know that there would be that toss up like, well, how much more should I take? And I know you're the same way with, with your dogs. Absolutely. So that's our main goal is keep dogs out of shelters and teach people how to make their dogs listen to them again. Absolutely, building that strong bond and relationship so that you can 
let your dog live its best life while you get to live your best life with your dog. And having the dog as part of the family and not having to deal with those issues that you were dealing with in the past. Absolutely. So we're gonna talk a little bit about uh, general behaviors of dogs, like general knowledge. What we do is we highly recommend crate training when you're not home and when you can't keep an eye on your dog, like when you're in the shower or mowing the lawn even. I mean, it might only be an hour, but a dog can do a lot in an hour if they know that they can get away with something. Like if you have a pizza on the counter, then you go outside and mow your lawn, your lawn then come back in and now the pizza is all chewed up all over the floor. So if they had the dog in the crate, that would be minimized or prevented. And then what are some other reasons why we do crate training? Um, it creates calmness within the dog it, itself. Um, it doesn't have that option of pacing around the floor, um, being confused as to what it's supposed to be doing. Um, when they're in the crate, they have no option other than to lay down and be calm and relax, basically. Um, so it helps with general anxiety. Um, they know that you're there, you're just not present, they can't physically see you. Um, you're there, you're doing work. It lets them understand that sometimes they're gonna be inside of the cage when you're home and when you're not home, so they don't always um, watch. Associate it with you leaving. Yeah, um, so that, it, that helps with separation anxiety as well. Um, and another big reason is a lot of people that have a dog that will chew up furniture or stuff out of the trash can, anything like that, that's a huge safety concern for dogs because their bodies can't pass some of the things that they try to chew up. For instance, if they, pull, if they chew up a pillow off of the couch or something, then that gets stuck in their intestines, and it can, and we've had some clients that it's happened to. And these guys are spending six grand at the vet just to get those intestines cut out and remove that blockage. Sometimes the dogs don't make it through that. So for me, if I know that there's a chance that my dog's gonna chew something up, then I don't wanna take that chance when I'm gone because I don't wanna come home to a dead dog. Absolutely not. That would be traumatizing. And not only that, like how mad are you gonna be at yourself for allowing your dog that freedom of having the option of chewing up something and potentially harming itself or even dying. Um, I, would be, I would be so mad at myself. And some people think of it like, oh, I'm putting my dog in a prison for when I'm gone. But what do we want our dogs to do when we're gone? I mean, honestly. Sleep, yeah. lay down. Yeah. Um, Basically nothing, yeah. you just lay down and do nothing. <laughs> Let's just behave the whole time we're gone at work. So the cage, that it makes them do that. It makes them be calm, it makes them sleep, it makes them do everything that we want them to do basically while we're gone. And even when we're home, I mean, there's nothing wrong with putting your dog in the kennel or cage, whatever you guys want to call it, um, while you're at home too, during, you know, um, dinner times or just, you know, general family time, playing a board game. You just don't want your dog to be all up in your nose, your area, whatever, your face. Um, it's okay to put it, put the dog in the kennel during those times. It's not 
harming to the dog. Um, I know some of us feel like, oh, I'm, my dog's in a cage all day. I don't want it to, you know, be in there while I'm at home too. Um, I have a female German Shepherd and she is in her cage even when we are home. On her own, she goes to her cage, the door's wide open and she's in her cage. If I can't see her, I know exactly where she's at, she's in her cage. She also knows that that's a safe place. She knows that I'm not getting in any trouble while I'm in my cage. I can go there, I can relax, I can be away from the other dogs, you know. Um, so it's a good thing to have your dog crate trained. It's a very good thing. So before dogs were brought into the homes with us, when they were living out in the wild, they would have a designated cave that they would go to. They would sleep there, they would relax there, they would drag their food there. And this is normal for them. It's literally ingrained in their DNA to have this own little area to go to, this cave to go to. So we can let the cage be the cave for the dog. Don't feel bad for them being in there, and we don't promote like keeping your dogs in the cages all the time, but like right now, right behind the camera, my dog is laying in the cage just because I didn't want him coming up here to the um, to the couch right here by us or, or whatever. And yeah, I can put him on place, but she's got her dog on place over there. So he's in the crate and he's just taking a nap. It's no big deal. Yep, relaxing, uh, minding his own business. He's not worried about what's going on out here. Um, it's, it's basically their cave. They know that they are safe there. They know that they are not getting in trouble. There's no corrections being made. And it, it creates um, the calmness for the dog, like I was saying. And it also gives us our space. Sometimes we as pet owners need our space as well. Mm -hmm. You don't wanna be frustrated with your dog all the time because he's all up in your face and, you know, dumping over your glasses on your coffee tables and end tables and, you know, constantly getting up on the couch trying to get your attention. Sometimes we just need our moment to, you know, wind down or, you know, relax by ourselves without our animals. And that's why the cage comes, that's where the cage comes into play. And they need their <laughs> space too. So like she said, her dog Lainey will just go to the cage on her own mm -hmm. and chill out for a little bit. She's like, I don't want to be around the other dogs. I don't want to be around anybody. I just want to take a nap or whatever. Yep. So we have to stop thinking about it as a prison because it's not. It's just our way of keeping the dogs relaxed, keeping the dogs out of trouble, um, keeping the dogs from chewing something up, potentially getting injured or dying because we're not around to correct them for doing those things. So basically what it is, especially when you cannot supervise your dog to make the decisions for him, a cage is a very awesome place for him to go when you are too busy to keep an eye on him. Um, even though we think that we can't trust our dogs, they can't, they're dogs. You gotta remember that they're still, they're still a dog. <laughs> they're animals, they have animal instincts. So they don't think rationally. They're not gonna like walk around the house and think like, well, the reason that I'm not gonna chew up this pillow is because I, might get injured from doing so. It's like, they should just be thinking, if I do that, that's not gonna feel very good because I get in trouble for it. So that's us making the decision for them. 
just because they've learned from their mistakes in the past. And another thing is dogs don't have a sense of time. So they're not like laying in their cage, checking their watch every like 15 <laughs> minutes. Like, so when's mom coming home? When's dad coming home? They don't do that. They don't sense time the same way that we do. So if they're in their cage for 15 minutes, then we get home 15 minutes later, but the next day they're in their cage for eight hours. Like it's gonna feel like 15 minutes to them regardless. At some point they're just gonna lay down and relax. For the best outcome for the dogs and for us pet owners, we gotta try not to put our feelings into the mix as much and kind of eliminate our feelings and look at what is best for you and for your dog. Um, I know that before I started dog training, I was very, I don't, I don't want to say negative, but I had all of these thoughts and all of these feelings about kennels and, you know, e-collars and, um, you know, having such a strict structure for my dog, you know, I felt like I was, you know, not giving my dog its best life. But in reality, I was causing more harm than I was good. Um, because I had no idea that, you know, all of these things, I didn't have the knowledge or I wasn't fully educated on what a good pet owner really is until I met Timmy. Yeah, so the biggest thing that we can take out of that is don't let the dogs make its own decisions. Remember I was talking about the pizza on the counter earlier. If we let the dog just roam in the same room with a pizza that smells delicious and we're outside not watching, the dog's gonna be like looking out of the corner of his eye like, mm, you know what, nobody's looking. That pizza smells really good. So you know what, I think I'm gonna go for it. They're gonna go with their temptation. Yeah, over, and it overall. smells good. You know what, I'm, I'm eating it. Yeah, they're not. In reality, I don't believe that until they, even if they do get to a certain, like a certain time in their lives where they're so trained, I, I still believe 100% that a dog alone with a pizza in the middle of the floor is always gonna choose the pizza over the consequence. Yeah. Um, because that's what they do. They do, they want the most pleasurable outcome. So how do they learn? Well, they learn from, you know what, I just did that, that didn't feel very good. So I'm not gonna do that anymore. Imagine the dog's outside digging in the yard and we look out the window and see the digging and they have an e-collar on. We can correct on, an, on the e-collar and we don't even have to say anything to them. We don't have to open the window and yell at them or anything. Why? Because they just got corrected through the e-collar. So what level are we gonna use? We're gonna use the lowest level that works to stop the behavior. But they're digging and they get stimulated on the e-collar. They're like, oh, you know what, that sucked. And maybe they go back to digging again and then they get that stimulation again. And then they think to themselves, you know what, I'm not gonna dig anymore because digging sucks. So that's how we can deter behaviors from happening is by causing some mild discomfort so that the dog learns. And in nature, dogs learn the exact same way. When they're puppies, that's how the mother dog corrects them, by nipping at them or pawing at them. It's not like they're dropping food next to them and saying, hey, stop chewing on that or whatever. 
Like, it's just a consequence right then and there. Stop it. We don't do that. That's not how we live. And if we put ourselves in that same role as the mother dog, because that's what we become when we bring the dogs into our home, then now we have to correct the dogs in the same way or else we're taking them away from their natural instincts and the way that they learn. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. The best thing that you can do for your dog is be its leader and lead him and guide him and show him, you know, that there's a consequence for something that's unwanted. Um, whatever it may be for you. Um, something that is unwanted for me is I don't like pacing around. I want my dog to be calm and outside of playing with him, I want, you know, some relaxation. If he's outside of his kennel, I'm gonna make him lay down. He doesn't need to be up pacing around. For one, it creates chaos for me for whatever reason, it's overwhelming and it just makes things anxious. So I, I correct that you're not going to be up pacing around. So I create a mild discomfort for them to lay down, whether it be on place, whether it be going into their kennel or just laying at the foot of my couch or whatever it may be on the floor. Um, when, they're, when they're pacing around like that, that's a sign of anxiety because they're like, all right, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. So I'm going to go over there and then come back over here and whatever. Like, if we just take that out of their mind altogether, like, hey, just stop, just lay down, everything's fine, then now that anxiety starts to kind of melt away and the dog's not constantly thinking about, what should I do now? Instead, it's, all right, well, I'm just gonna lay down here and, and chill by my owner. And we don't have to sit here and constantly pet them. Them being like right in our presence is actually affectionate enough for them. Now, we're not saying don't pet your dog, but if you do it too much, that will raise anxiety as well because your dog will become addicted to that affection. So we want to keep that cut down a little bit and we want dogs to not be sleeping in bed with the owners because they start to feel like they're a human. They're not a dog anymore. Like, all right, well, since I'm on that level in the pack, I'm going to do whatever I want and I'm going to jump up and down off this bed whenever I want and up and down off the couch whenever I want. And we have a lot of people that can't get the dogs to come off of the couch when they tell them because they're saying no and they're trying to pull them down and the dog might snap at them or something. So then they don't want to pull the dog down because they don't want to get bit or even the bed. Well, now the dog's becoming possessive over that furniture. Like this is mine and I'm not getting down because I don't want to. No dog, I spent $1,200 on this couch or whatever and you're a dog. So you need to listen to me. So that's our main goal. The dogs need to listen. Absolutely. They need to look for you for permission to do everything. Um, you need to invite them onto the furniture if you wish to have your dog on the furniture. Um, we, like Timmy said, we definitely recommend not sleeping with the dog. I wouldn't even invite it up onto the couch or onto the bed at all. Um, I think that more like of a general areas would be better um, so that they don't become possessive and they understand that, oh, okay, I can only get up here when I've been given permission to get up here. Um, and same goes for basically everything. Um, letting the dog outside, looking, you know, to you 
for everything. But every guidance, every direction, the dog needs to look to you. And that's the definition of a leader. Like a lot of people say, you gotta be the alpha of the dog. That sounds bad. We don't like that. I mean, like I don't wanna be called the alpha to my kids. Instead, I wanna be their leader and I wanna teach them how to live better in the future. You wanna be the influencer, yeah. the leader, the example. But if someone says, oh, you're the alpha of your children, then now I feel like I'm like some punisher and, and whatever. And that's not what it's about. Like my kids have consequences for doing things wrong, just like my dogs do. But I'm not just like correcting just to correct. Right. So when we look at ourselves, we want to be the leader. So she said, we want the dogs to look to us for everything. We put food in front of our dogs and they sit down and they stare at us and they wait for us to give them the release word. So we use the word free or okay, one of the two. Um, generally, I've been using free more mm -hmm. just because free doesn't come up in conversation. Like if we're sitting here on the couch talking and she's got her dog on place, then we could be like, okay, well, you know what? I'm getting ready to go to whatever. Well, we said okay, so the dog might now be like, oh, you said the release where I'm getting up, you know? Even though we weren't talking to the dog, but free doesn't really come up. In conversation often, yeah that's why I like it I do I use the word free as well it's a good release word it gives the dog it's meaningful to the dog so um, in addition to that when we give the dogs water they do the same thing we open the door to get ready to take them outside or to let them back in from coming or from going to the bathroom or playing outside or whatever then they sit there and they look at us because they're waiting for us to give them permission to go in and out. Yes. Um, if the dog wants up on the furniture, we make that decision because either we want the dog up here on the couch or we don't. It's not up to the dog to jump up and down on their own leisure. Like, all right, we want the dog up here, chill out for a little bit, invite only. All right, come on, buddy. Yep. Get up here. Bandit just looked at me like, what? Where are we going? What are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, Keep that mindset too. Be the leader. That means make corrections for unwanted behavior and have the dog look to you for everything. And that will build the dog's respect for you. Yes. It's a huge thing to have your dog animals respect you. It, I, I saw a huge difference after I put my dogs through training and they started to gain respect for me because I was consistent with my corrections and my discipline. I was consistent with my structure and order with them and the respect was just phenomenal after they understood that I was the leader. I was the one that they needed to look to. I was who they needed to ask permission for whatever it may be. Um, getting up on the couch, like Timmy said, going outside, getting in and out of cars, um, eating, drinking. Um, sometimes my dogs will even ask for permission if they're allowed to get a bone out of the dog basket that I have. They like come over to me and like, mom, can I have this? Um, it's really funny, but it's just, now it's all like habit for them. What, so you taught your dogs how to talk? <laughs> well, yeah, with emotion, with expression. 
Um, but yeah, they, they definitely will sometimes like, yeah, nudge me, look at the dog basket and like, and I know what they want. They want their bone. So I'll give them, yeah, okay, whatever, you know, whatever I'm saying at the time. Um, which my personal dogs don't understand free as much because when I first put them through Timmy's training, he was using the word okay. Mm -hmm. And then we switched over to free. But now they're, I'm implementing that with them and they are starting to pick it up. So It's funny because you use both. I hear you say it all the time. You're like, okay, free. <laughs> I'm like, all right, well, you can do both. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. And I think it's just habit because <laughs> at first with my dogs, it was okay. And yeah. now I'm like trying to implement it. And I'm pretty sure that I really do it with my training dogs too. Yeah, you do. I've heard you with a couple of them. <laughs> so, but however, you know, however it works, how whatever catches on for you, you want to make it a habit. It, it needs to be like imprinted into you um, so that it's just, you do it out of habit. Like how many other things do you do out of habit because you've done it for so long? You don't even realize you're doing it because it's just... A habit for you now that's what you need to do with your dogs you need to make everything a habit and stay consistent and have that structure for them it's the best thing that you can do for them really so then at that point like the dog starts getting into those habits too like if they hear you pick up the keys off of the key ring they know that they're gonna go in their cage well they've done it so many times they just kind of go in, in their there cage. on their own Absolutely. and uh, then you shut the cage door, no problem. Yep. I don't like leaving on an excited note, like, I'll see you later, Fluffy, bye. You know, I don't, I don't like that because now you just got your dog all excited just for you to walk out the door. Right. And the dog is like overall heightened and now it's gonna be harder for the dog to calm down. It's gonna take a little bit longer. And then same thing when we get home, I don't come in the door screaming and super praiseful or whatever. Uh, I like to let the environment kind of settle down when I first walk in the door. So the dogs might be a little bit excited and they're up like shaking their butts and hitting the cage or whatever. I'm like, all right, chill out, lay down, you know, whatever. They lay down, they settle down for a minute. And then after the environment calms down, I'll go and let them out. And when we open the cage door, they need to wait for permission to come out of there as well. That way they're not just blowing through us as soon yeah. as we open the door. Tumbling you over, you know, jumping up on you. Um, and it's also really good for that purpose alone, um, making them calm down after you are coming home from work all day or picking up the kids from school or whatever you're doing. You just got home from the grocery store. Like you want to give that opportunity for the dog to calm down so that they aren't overly excited and jumping up on everybody and in everybody's face. And it gives everybody that, you know, time to like come in, settle down, let the dog out. Now we're good, it's calm, he's collected and you can praise him or pet him or show him that, you know, hi buddy, give him that um, calm hello, basically. Yeah, and we have a lot of people that have issues with that. As soon as they get home, their dog like basically attacks them because they're not crated when they're gone. Then they walk in the door and the dog's jumping all over them or jumping all over their kids or whatever, just because the dog is so excited to see them. And that doesn't excuse it. Like jumping is not okay because as dogs get bigger, kids start getting knocked over or smaller people get knocked over or older people get knocked over. And I've talked to a lot of people that 
have like broken bones from getting knocked over from their dogs, falling down the stairs from their dogs. Uh, I was talking to an older lady in Lowe's and she actually had a dog pull her down her concrete stairs. She hit her head on every single stair and couldn't get up. She had to call an ambulance to come and pick her up. Now she didn't need like stitches or anything like that, thank goodness, but it's, it's that easy for a dog to hurt somebody. And whenever we think about like a dog hurts somebody, the first thing everybody thinks of is, oh, someone got bit. Mm -hmm. And that's not the case. Like emergency rooms, a lot of them will tell you that there's more people that get knocked over by their dogs than actually get bit by dogs when it comes to injuries from dogs. So keep that in mind. Uh, with jumping, the biggest thing the dog is trying to do is engage with you. Just trying to say hello in its own way. So if we give the dog any type of attention, what's gonna happen? They're gonna get more excited. They're gonna continue with the jumping, yeah. the, you know, the roughness, the rowdiness. It's and just gonna continue on the more attention that they get, even if it's bad attention, yeah. um, it's gonna continue. So even if you're like kicking it or like, not, not I don't wanna say kicking it, harming it, but like you're pushing it away from you, you're using your leg or your arm, um, that's attention. You're giving it attention. It's negative attention, but you're still giving attention. So they are still continuing to do what you don't want them to do, basically. So um, the best thing that you can do for in the act, um, especially if you don't have like a tool um, to correct it, is to not show any kind of attention at all. Um, don't give eye contact. Don't give them any kind of body language. Um, basically ignore it walk away until you can have a better um uh, a better option for a correction yeah because at that point the dog's thinking you know i'm jumping all over them but i'm not getting anything from that like they're not looking at me they're not talking to me there's they're, nothing pleasurable about it yeah, yeah they're not gaining anything so imagine a teenager that isn't really getting much attention from the parents then they start to act out a little bit, right? Maybe they start uh, sneaking out at night or, or whatever, talking back. The main reason that they're doing that is probably because they're not getting any attention. Right. So even though they know they're gonna be like disciplined for doing these bad things, it's still attention. It's better than nothing, right? right. So the dog's kind of the same way. Well, at least I'm getting something out of this. It's, still negative attention, but you know, I'm gonna keep trying. I'm gonna try harder and harder to get that positive attention from doing this. Because there might be a year time frame that you've been just dealing with it and you're like, all right, buddy, hi, how's it going? All right, now get down, you know, and then they're jumping back. Well, you just rewarded them for petting or for jumping on you. By petting them. Yeah, by yeah. petting them. So uh, you're telling them it's okay. Like, good job, good boy for jumping on me. I love that. That's all that they know. That's what they think anyways, yeah. yeah. When, when you're petting them. Uh, so think about that for like any behavior too. Like if they're chewing on something and you're picking them up and taking them away from it, hey, I just got picked up and kind of petted a little bit. They scratched my butt when, I, when they picked me up. Right. You know, I'm gonna keep chewing, this is all right. This right. is the life, you know? Uh, or even swapping it out with like a toy or a yeah, tree yeah. or a bone 
um, all of those are rewards to the dog. So um, the best thing that you can do for the unwanted stuff is to correct it, not like redirect I said, or, yeah, redirect. Yeah, yeah you, you want to keep it basic, correct the unwanted, reward the wanted. And it's very black and white at that point. It's very like I'm chewing on something and then I got a prong collar correction. I didn't like that prong collar correction. So or I'm I didn't, not going to chew anymore. Yeah. Or I didn't like that e-collar correction, whichever way that you're using. But if they don't have a high enough correction and you're just kind of like tickling them, then that behavior is not going to stop. Like It might for the moment, yeah. but it's still going to be a reoccurring act. Um, so the corrections definitely for the e-collars, which we can um, get to that, needs to be high enough to make them think, oh, I don't want to feel that feeling yeah. ever again. So they're not going to continue with the act. While we're on that topic, so let's talk about prong collars and e-collars. Prong collars, our go-to prong collar is definitely the Herm Springer. We love them, we use them every single day. Uh, the issue with them right now is they are behind. They just- They're on back order. Yeah, they, they come out of Germany. So I don't know if it's the chips that they have them on or the planes or whatever, or maybe it's the lack of staffing in, in their factory in Germany, but they're so behind and they can't keep up with people's orders. So we can find some here and there, but we're finding that they're harder and harder to come across. So if we can't get a hold of a Herm Springer, then our second option is a Titan collar. Titans are pretty good, but we've had some issues with the Titan collar. Um, I've had some fall apart on me. I've never had a Herm Springer fall apart on me. It's just the better quality of prong collars. So you basically get what you pay for when it comes to prong collars and e-collars. Um, the cheaper you go, the less consistent it's going to be. Yeah. Um, the cheaper you go with the uh, prong collars, it's it falls apart on you. It's um, you know the latches are coming undone. The prongs are easily bent out. Um, you know, there's all kinds of things I could go on about yeah. when it comes to the lesser quality. You know, you definitely want quality stuff when it comes to your dogs, you know? If it's gonna fall apart on your walk. I mean, imagine just walking your dog down the road, and prong collar falls, falls apart. off just yeah. out of nowhere. And, and it's yeah. happened to us. Yeah. And it sucks. And you're like, gosh, dang it. And I haven't done enough. And gone <laughs> because he's not connected to the prong collar and he saw a squirrel and took off after the squirrel and yeah. you're running like a crazy person down the road. Yeah. And the, um, the prong collars that have that little quick release clip, uh, Herm Springer makes them. I don't like those so much. I know a lot of people that use them and they have great results with them. But I've had those ones fall apart on me before just because they can get tapped up against with a leash or whatever and just that quick second of compressing the spring and now it can fall apart. So I like to stay away from those. Um, just use the traditional prong collar. Learn how to squeeze them, pull them apart, or what you can do with the Herm Springers is replace one of the Springer plates that you'll see on there with a metal buckle. You can get them on Amazon or Do you have whatever. one I don't have. I don't have one right now. Used them all up, but those are nice because the metal isn't gonna break 
And I think you can spend like five or 10 bucks for a, a metal buckle on Amazon last time I checked. A lot of them come in like three or five packs too. So you can buy a couple of them and sell them to us, I don't care. <laughs> or, your, or your friends or, or whatever. Um, but the nice thing about prong collars is they, they correct all the way around. It's not like the dog's just getting corrected right here on the throat and that's it. They constrict equally all the way around whenever you do a pop on, on the leash. So why don't people like them? Because they look intimidating. They do. And the first time I saw one, Timmy showed me, I was like, that seems very intense. Yeah. However, it was one of the best things that I could have used on my dogs after training. So it's not harmful to them. It's 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 creating that discomfort like Timmy was talking about earlier. It's just a discomfort feeling. And, you know, sometimes it'll come a little harder than others. Now, if you do a soft pop and it doesn't work to stop whatever behavior that they're doing, well, then we have to think about, like, that didn't work. So we got to be a little bit harder on the next pop. Right. We have to use the level that works to stop whichever unwanted behavior that they're doing. And also the prongs on the prong collars, it's a rounded tip. It's not like a pointy, like piercing yeah. point. It's it's a rounded tip that helps obviously not, you know, pierce the skin yeah. or whatever it may be. So it's not anything that is going to harm your dog. Yeah. Now, people don't like them because they've been misused in the past. Uh, we don't condone walking around and hanging dogs up by a prong collar. Um, if the dog is being like super aggressive trying to bite you or something, you gotta do what you gotta do at that point, okay? But as a general rule, we are not going to do that. What we're gonna do is to, uh, we're gonna pop on the leash to stop whichever behavior. And it's a quick constriction and then it goes right back to being loose again. Right. They can cause they could pierce the skin if they're used incorrectly. And yeah, and I, I believe it would have to take a lot of force. And oh, that, yeah. there are people out there that are out to abuse animals and stuff. So don't get us wrong. It can be used to harm your animal. But as long as you're educated on the correction, it's not harmful to them as long as you're proper, properly using our tools. Yeah. So here's a prong collar link. You can kind of see that. It's not like a blade on the end. It's relatively flat and rounded. And to get these off, imagine there's another link here. You would pinch this together, pull it off, and then it comes apart. And then to put it back on, I usually put one in one side and then pinch this together to put the other one into the other side. And, and it's super easy. It just takes a little bit of finesse with your fingers. Um, we have some clients that are groomers and they were using their hands all the time. So it's harder for them. And I understand like some people have like carpal tunnel or arthritis or whatever. And that's why we strongly recommend those metal buckles. Um, another thing that I started doing recently, it, just because I've had prong collars fall apart on me in the past, I made myself a small little leash. It's about this big. A buckle on both sides of the leash. So I would take the regular collar that the dog's wearing and I will hook one of the 
hooks or one of the um, clips onto their regular collar. And then I'll take the leash and hook the other hook to the leash. So now the leash is hooked to the prong collar and then you have a backup plan, it's a fail safe for their regular collar. Say you're walking down the road now, the prong collar falls apart, well, now you still got your dog. It's still on the leash. It's just on the regular collar instead of gotcha. um, the prong itself. So if you haven't tried that, definitely check that out. Okay. Um, I'll show you how to make them and it's pretty easy. Cool. But for you guys that are new to prong collars and whatnot, if you're, if you're not able to get a Herm Springer and you're worried about maybe it'll fall apart on you, or if you just want it as a fail safe regardless, like. I'm all for that all the time. Uh, always have a backup plan for everything, right? So I would recommend doing that. Hook, hook a, one of the clips onto the regular collar and the other one onto the leash. So let's talk about e-collars a little bit. So we use e-collar technologies. This is my collar because my dogs are special and they get a purple skin. This is a model ET300. It's a mini educator. It has 100 levels and you can upgrade it to a two dog system. She's got multiple dogs, I've got multiple dogs. So we're able to use each of these buttons on two a separate dog. Yes. Yeah. Um, so one remote, two collars, yeah. easy peasy. So you wanna talk a little bit about the features that this thing has? And... Um, they have a wide range of um, Stimulation, it goes from zero to 100. So there's definitely that wide range of correction levels for each pet. Um, it has a tone button on the side. Um, this is your- uh, They call it a volume knob. The volume <laughs> knob. <laughs> um, that's for raises. your um, levels, creating your levels um, from high to low. These are really nice because they go up to a half mile. So. The distance is a good range. Yeah. There's a good range of distance between your remote and your dog's collar. So if he's taking off on you, there's a you have a little bit of time to correct that um, running or door dashing or whatever it is that you struggle with. Yeah. So um, this goes up to a hundred, but we don't want to just like start at a hundred to correct dogs for things no. like remember earlier I was talking about the digging in the yard well I'm not just gonna put this up to 100 and correct the digging I'm gonna start at like 20 or whatever and I'm gonna slowly work my way up until oh I found a level that the dog sees that now it's just not worth it anymore to keep digging I don't have to go higher so if I got up to 30 cool I'm fine with that if I stopped it at 15 Cool, I'm fine with that too. But, it's the lowest level that works for yeah. any dog. And some dogs, you're only gonna need to put it on a level five for a correction. Um, it, the numbers don't matter. Don't listen to the numbers. Don't look at the numbers every single time you're making a correction um, until it, you find out which one it works. And then you'll have that idea, that range of, okay, so I only need to be between 30 and 50 to correct him for these behaviors. Um, we hardly ever have to go up past 40, hardly ever. Um, and if for some reason you do end up going up to a higher 
um, level that seems like unrealistic or like, wow, like he was responding to 35 yesterday and now he's not responding to 55 today. Um, your contact is probably not, your contact points on the collar is probably not making contact with his skin. Um, so you have to have the collars pretty tight, um, especially if you have like thicker, long-haired dogs, thick-haired dogs, um, just bigger dogs in general um, can need, um, you know, that more contact to get through all of their fur and thick skin. So you want to make sure you have it pretty tight on around their neck to the, show them. You see the strap right here? How it's like flat with my skin. Try to put your finger under that. Yeah. See how it's so you're difficult? not going to be able to, it's going to be very hard to squeeze on through there. So at first you're going to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm choking my dog out. No, no, you're not. If he's breathing and he can lick and breathe and eat and drink, he's fine. He's, it's fine. However, you do need to rotate the e-collar every three to four hours to prevent pressure sores on your dog's neck which is like a scab, um, and then it'll just eventually callus over. However, we still don't want those happening to our dog on a regular basis. So make sure you rotate um, and you never put the collar on its neck or right on the back of its spine. It only on needs to be throat, on the, uh, what'd I say? You said the neck, that's uh, fine. <laughs> it does go on the neck, on the throat area, excuse me. Um, but on the sides of the neck, behind the ears are a really good place that's pretty sensitive for the dog is right behind the ears, I've noticed. Yeah. Um, for a lot of dogs, it then, responds really well. The contact points, like I still have this on. See how it's difficult for me to get my finger underneath here? That's how we want it to be on the dog because they have fur that these have to fight through. So if we don't have it that tight, then they aren't gonna be able to feel it. So we have a dog named Bandit, the Husky Shepherd mix. He's got super long fur. So at first, when we first bought these things, um, we were just trying out these contact points here, the stock contact points. And we were just cranking this thing down as tight as we could on his neck to where like, we were like, all right, if we tighten it any more than that, he's probably not gonna be able to breathe. And he would do something wrong in the yard and we'd be trying to correct him and we're up 40, 50, nothing. And we got to like 75 and then he's and jumps four feet off the ground. Why? Because the contact was inconsistent. So he wasn't able to feel it through his fur until those high levels came. And then once he did feel that correction, it was just an unfair correction. It was way too high for what he was doing. Man, I can't even remember. He was probably like sniffing poop or getting too close to the road or, you know. You're just cranking yeah. it up, zapping him. So, um, they make long hair extensions for these. So what we did was we bought the long hair ones, which go up about this far and they really get through the fur. And then they also have wings that are really thin and they come out like this. They go through the fur and it makes him able to uh, feel that instead of trying to use these stock contact points. So that's something else to consider. She's got some wings right here that are on her dog. Oh, she's got the long hairs on there too. You can do both. So see how the wings come out like this and then you got the long hair ones here. So if your dog's got long fur, just know that there's options, but we shouldn't be correcting our dog on like 80 for every single thing that they're doing wrong because 
All we're gonna do is mentally break them down instead of using a fair correction level so that they can actually learn from the mistakes. Some people do that for training, that's not us. We wanna use the lowest level that works to stop the behavior. But we also wanna think, well, we want the dog to remember in the future, all right, I don't want that again. So no. maybe level five stopped biting and nipping for just that one occurrence. That doesn't mean that level five is going to prevent biting and nipping in the future. So we have to keep that in mind as well. But e-collars are great because we have such a wide range that we can use them for. We can go between one and a hundred to stop any behavior. And guess what? We don't have to get up off the couch. We don't have to yell and scream. We don't have to do anything. They're doing something wrong. No, press the button. We don't even have to say anything. Just press the button. If we don't say anything, then now the dog's learning that, all right, my behavior, or me as the dog, my behavior caused that correction. It's not like, oh, mom's got the remote. She screamed at me and then pressed a button because now she becomes that punisher instead of the dog learning, all right, knock it off. You can't do that. When I do this, I get corrected. That's what we want the dog to think. Yeah, so you want the dog to associate his unwanted behavior to that correction. So, or it, I mean, he could even blame it on the item, so to speak. If yeah. he's digging yeah. in the trash or he's got his nose in the trash and he gets zapped, you know, I shouldn't say zapped, stemmed, um, you know, you do that correction level, he's gonna think, oh my gosh, the trash just bit me. Like, what was that feeling? Why, why did that happen to me? Yeah. Or so, whatever he thinks, something in the trash did it or the trash can did it or, or they could just think, okay, I did that to myself, but regardless, they're gonna stay away from the trash can. They're like, all right, trash can sucks, or the counters suck or whatever. So I'm not gonna go do that anymore, right? So that's kind of a rundown about e-collars and e-collar training. Um, we do sell these. We sell any model from e-collar technologies. Um, there's better, by better I mean like longer range models out there. Uh, there are models that are even stronger than this. It's a lot of times for working dogs, but I've had some dogs that are just tough dogs and they stubborn can, and they can handle the, yeah, they, they can just handle the stimulation. So, um, there's, you know, stronger, um, like stimulation power or whatever behind like the e-collar that you can get. They there's, also make like finger buttons for these. So you don't have to have the, you don't have to like take the remote out of your pocket or whatever. Like you can just have a little finger thing on there. Oh really? Yeah, it's I didn't cool. know that. Yeah, they're shoot, not I'm that expensive either. I was like, shoot, I don't want to carry but, that remote around. But it doesn't. It doesn't work for tone though. It only works for the stem. Oh well, either way, that's what's up. And I don't know how it works with the two dog system either. And you can get the accessories too. So there's all kinds of different color skins that you can get. There's um, like the prongs. There's like hypoallergenic yeah, prongs yeah. that you can buy. Um, for like dogs that have sensitive skin or, or super just like short allergies, short, yeah, super short. Um, there's little, there's medium sized prongs. There's the big, um, long haired prongs, the wings. I mean, there's definitely a variety for e-collar technologies when it comes to the, uh, e-collar 
So we've spent a lot of time talking about e-collar technologies, but let's talk about why we like to use quality e-collars. Like, why aren't you gonna go to the store right now and pick up a $30 e-collar off of the floor? <laughs> well, if it was on the floor, that's probably broken well, to me. By the floor, I mean the sales floor. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, for one, I personally know, which I guess a lot of us don't know at first, mm -hmm. um, especially if you're new to like the dog training world and um, learning about all of this stuff, but inconsistency. Um, sometimes like the cheaper e-collars can short out. Um, the stimulation isn't strong enough for your dog or um, it doesn't make good contact. Um, what are some? Well, let's say this is on level 20 right now out of 100, okay? I know from my experience with these as well as in-depth research with these that level 20 means level 20 on here. And if something is wrong with the remote, then e-collar technologies replaces it. They're, they're so good with their customer service. But you pick up a remote in, in a store that's not a good brand or not a reputable brand, then you're on level 20. Well, for this stem, it might be 20. But the next time you press the button, still on the same level, it might actually be level 50. Like it doesn't stay consistent with the display what level. And there are videos out there that people actually do um, tests, like they'll put on the contact points, like a electric tester or whatever you want to call it. And they'll see how many volts are going through and then they'll press the button again and it's a different voltage like much higher it's crazy so the inconsistency of the cheaper quality e-collars is just not there yeah. and like timmy said you don't want to be correcting on a level 20 and really your dog is jumping out of its skin because it corrects it on a level 50 for a minor unwanted behavior yeah. um so the e-collar technology stays consistent we don't have a lot of issues with them. Um, I have had my e-collars for two years. Um, I've never had to replace anything. Mm -hmm. um, I've added stuff like the wings and the long prongs for um, my uh, long-haired shepherd. But um, as far as like replacing a remote or um, having to replace um, the collar itself, I. I mean, two years, I, I feel like is well worth my money. Oh, yeah. Um, I had someone Without reach out. any kind of, um, you know, replacement of any sort, so. Yeah. I had someone reach out to me uh, about a month and a half ago because they needed a new remote. And I asked her how long she'd had the remote. She's had this thing for eight years, and it's just now starting to have some issues. Oh, so, yeah. So you, she well got oh, her yeah. money out of that. Oh, yeah. So, um it stopped charging or something. And um, first I let her try one of my, one of my personal chargers just to make sure that it wasn't the charger having an issue. And, uh, and then, yeah, she ended up having to replace the remote, but it was like half the cost of the unit just for the remote. So they go for 199 and she paid a hundred bucks for, for the new remote. So she didn't have to go and buy a whole new system. You can repair these to any collar that you want, as long as it's an e-collar technologies model, of course. Uh, there are some other brands that 
are reputable brands too, in addition to e-collar, but we use e-collar technologies every single day and we stand by them. But if somebody comes up to me and says, hey, I have a, a Garmin um, Sport, Sport, yeah. uh, Sport Pro collar, I'm gonna be like, cool, you know, that's a, that's a good collar. Or if they have a Dogtra, um, I, I would say the same thing. Like, I'm not gonna say anything negative about those because those are great collars too. And, and they're proven to be consistent as well. Um, the Garmin Sport Pros are oftentimes for working dog lines because the simulation's pretty high and they only have 10 levels. So like level one to two, you might already be in a um, correction level there instead of pressure levels. And, um, and then Sport Dog is a good brand too, but it's called Sport Dog because it's for working line breeds as well. So when people are buying those and trying to use them on you know, their, yeah, their doodle or, or whatever, then uh, it's just not gonna have the same result because it doesn't have that wide range of stimulation that the e-collar technologies has. So we stand by the e-collars, e-collar technologies, and we use them every single day, I love them. Certain things you definitely get what you pay for. So you wanna keep that in mind that the better quality is probably what's best for your dog. Um, if you're interested in, you know, the e-collar system, it's e-collar technologies is the way to go for sure. That's that definitely highly recommended through us. And a lot of those cheaper models, they're not waterproof either. Like we can send our dogs out in the rain or out to swim in the lake or whatever. And they're wearing the e-collars and it's no problem. It's not like it causes the stimulation to be higher or anything like that because it's not that kind of electricity. So imagine like sticking a fork in an outlet, we get electrocuted. That's not the kind of electricity that these use. These use what's called static electricity. What it does is it contracts the nearby muscles and it is able to be increased or decreased. We're not electrocuting our dogs. We're causing static electricity or stimulation to them. So it's not a cruel thing and we're not. So I like to use the example as I know many people have to use like TENS units yeah. for their feet or their back. Um, it's basically the same thing only for a dog. So, and I've even like felt the stimulation of the dog collars on myself. Um, granted, my stimulation level was very low compared to some dogs <laughs> because it's on my bare skin. Um, however, it wasn't hurtful. It was just uncomfortable. And yeah. it just definitely gives you that like sense of like, oh my gosh, what's that feeling? You know? Um, it's not like I was like compulsing, <laughs> yeah, convulsing. Um, so yeah, it's uh, definitely not harmful. It's not gonna, you know, blow your dog's hair off or anything crazy. And like she said, we feel the stimulation and we have our clients feel it too, because it's important. Like you're going to be putting this on your dog and pressing a button. So you should at least feel what they're gonna be feeling. You know, so we'll go up a little bit at a time. We'll start on 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, whatever. And I want them to feel that. And generally I won't go higher than like 30 or 40 with, with clients unless they want to keep going higher because that's generally the range that we are in. But we aren't limited to that. We use the lowest level that works. So if 30 isn't stopping a behavior, then you're 
you're right, we're gonna go up. It's gonna be 35, 40, 50, whatever. We have that range to be able to stop the behavior. Right. But on a general note, if the dog is sniffing the trash can, we don't have to use level 70. You right. know, we could probably stop that with 25 or 30. It just depends on the dog and what all distractions are going on around the dog. Too. And distractions make a huge difference when it comes to correcting. So um, you might say, I was using a level 17 inside the house for in-house corrections. And then I go outside and I have to get it up to 35, 45, 55 um, because there's more distractions outside. Um, there's cars driving by, there's people outside playing in their yard, there's other animals. You know, there's, there's just that wide variety of distractions versus inside the home where there's limited. Um, there's not so many people in there. There's obviously not other wild animals running around in your house unless you have like a bat or something, which has happened before to me. <laughs> but, um, so just keep that in mind too, um, that the more distractions, nine times out of 10, the higher the stimulation level is gonna be. And if you guys are interested in purchasing an e-collar, like we will help you with the functioning and whatnot. We'll teach you how to use it real quick. We, we're not gonna be able to spend like hours with you unless you're willing to pay for our time. But I mean, we can give you a quick lesson on this is what you do you know, and even show you how to correct and use them as an example. I like to put the e-collar on the client and tell them to do something like uh, go buy a trash can. You know, I don't want you to buy the trash can and press the button to correct and just see if they want to fight it, you know, and then I can slowly power up while they're doing that. And they're like, all right, that's starting to suck. So I'm going to move away from the trash can just so that they can say, see how the dog thinks during this time. Like, the dog is thinking, I'm gonna keep doing that until I can't handle it anymore. Like, and it's not worth it anymore. There are definitely dogs out there that will fight and um, definitely... Just like turn it off, yeah. like block, mentally block, block it, it out. out. Yeah. And that's why we have that wide range to be able to power up higher. And if we didn't have that capability, then the dogs would just continue doing whatever they're doing. But we're proving that these stop the unwanted behaviors because we can have the dog roaming throughout the house. A brand new training dog with an e-collar on, they go to the trash can, we press a button on a correction level and guess where the dog doesn't go anymore? To the, to the trash can, can or to the counters or whatever. So we like to teach the owners that too. Like we can sit outside and look through a window and the dog will go up to the counter and we can correct out the window or through the window because the dog's learning from its own mistakes. Right. And. Or the object itself. Yeah. Like I said earlier, oh, I'm sniffing the trash can and I get this feeling. The trash can bites me. I'm not gonna go buy the trash can anymore. Yeah. So. Or we can even take it a step further than that. And we do this with our training. We set up Wi-Fi cameras in the area that the dog is and we'll barricade so that the dog can't like sneak into other rooms or whatever and leave distractions out for the dog. And we will drive down the road because these go a half mile. So we can just drive a block down the road. Dog thinks that we left, but we're watching on our phone on the Wi-Fi camera and they go over to the trash can because there's peanut butter in there or whatever, or there's a pizza on the counter. So they're getting up on the counter and we're correcting them. They can't blame us when we're not, when we're not there. Right. They can't. 
Which so. then in return keeps a good relationship between you and your yeah. dog. Yeah. Um, it doesn't, it's not consistently thinking that my owner only corrects me or, you know, yeah. whatever they associate it with. It just, it keeps your bond, your bond between your dog strong, stronger if you're not, um, if you take yourself out of the um, situation. You just basically eliminate yourself verbally and let the tools do the correcting for you. It's so much simpler. Yeah. Stop yelling at your dogs. If you're going to say anything, say a calm no and follow it up with a correction. Yes. But if you say nothing and correct them, that is perfectly okay. Yes. Because they learn from their own They're mistakes. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to talk about a couple more things and then we're going to go for now. One, how we want to live with our dog, what, what we want to do. We want to limit freedom. We want to limit human affection and we wanna hold the dog accountable for doing things wrong. And then uh, we also wanna to touch a little bit on potty training. So limiting freedom. How many of our clients come through that have fenced-in yards, uh, in-ground electric fences, or I live, mean, live on, a, on a farm with lots of acreage and their dogs are doing- Free roam. Yeah. Yeah, that's freedom. That's a lot of freedom, but, but I mean, most of them more right? than more than half yeah. definitely have a fenced in yard or the electric fence yeah. um it, it it lets the dog have more freedom than it should yeah and there's nothing wrong with fenced in yards there's nothing wrong with electric fences however but, you just want that form of correction that tool to be able to correct some unwanted behaviors yeah um some you know pet owners just open the door and let their dog go out and it basically gets to do whatever it wants without any consequence of barking at the neighbors or growling at the neighbor kid or fence fighting with other dogs. Yeah. Um, you know, lunging at the mailman walking by, um, there, you know, so, there's all kinds of things that the dog can do that we as pet owners don't want to happen, but we just don't have the knowledge to be able to correct at that point. So knowledge and tools. Tool, yeah. So, when we say limit freedom, we're not saying your dog's not allowed to go in the fence in the yard, okay? But don't keep them out there for too long, for one, because then they start to feel like they need to protect the yard. This is my yard. I've been out here for a long time, so clearly it's my job to protect this area. Um, that's very common with the end ground fences because the dogs can go right up next to the right up next to the road and people walk their dogs by the by the yard and the dogs are like don't you come in my yard or whatever they're saying mm -hmm. you know but if we had knee collar on them at the same time and we're looking out the window they start to bark at someone and we correct well when they realize that their behavior is causing that then what happens they stop doing that stuff right so when they're left in the yard all by themselves for any period of time and not held accountable for doing things wrong whatever behavior that they're doing digging barking at people chasing animals like squirrels or chickens or what whatever if they aren't corrected for it that's not gonna get better it's going to get worse really and worse especially really they <laughs> especially barking at people growling at people that will get worse and it does 
and then you're gonna get to the point where your dog is biting people. Yeah. Someone comes over to watch the ball game with you and just because your friend came over to the house or the mailman came to your house, now they're getting bit. Uh, correct your dog when that stuff happens or else it will get worse. There is no redirecting the dog from barking or growling. It's no and correct or just correct, knock it off and they'll think, all right, you know what? The act of growling, barking at people sucks. I'm gonna stop doing that. Right. Um, reactivity, meaning whenever they see something else and they react to it, a lot of times it happens on leash because they feel like it's their job to protect the owner or their property. So um, resource guarding goes into that as well. But um, it's 100% behavioral. It's not a psychological thing. Like we can stop it and we do stop it. When they're doing this, correct them, and the behavior changes with repetition. Yep. So that's what we say about limiting freedom. Also, let's talk about in the house. Dogs free roaming the whole house. Um, say you have a cat. The dog sneaks off into the basement or wherever you keep the litter box and is sitting there eating, eating the dog or eating the cat droppings out of the litter box. You know, I, that's gross. And then they come up, so and, bad. <laughs> they come up and lick your face after that, like, hi mom. And you can smell it on them and, and then you gotta go wash your face because that's gross. But uh, that's just one example of limit the freedom so that the dog can't do that. Keep in the same room as you, keep the dog supervised. If you can't supervise the dog for any reason, showering, mowing the lawn, whatever, put the dog in the crate. Mm -hmm. Just put them in the crate. They will yep. stay off of your counters. They will not chew on your couch. They will not go eat cat poop or whatever yeah. because they Getting don't have trash, the opportunity. Whatever it is, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're eliminating the whole opportunity to do those unwanted things. Yeah. Nobody wants to come out of the shower after you just took a nice shower, you're all clean and rejuvenated, and now you gotta pick up a whole trash can full of dirt and yeah. coffee grounds and whatever leftover poop from last <laughs> night. like. Yeah, or I'm some clean. dogs, they'll, like, they'll sneak into the other room and, and they'll like pee on something or poop. Like they know that they're not allowed to do it. That's why they sneak in the other room. Yeah. But and if we keep them from doing that, then those kind of behaviors don't happen. Yeah. Or we can set them up for failure too. Put a Wi-Fi camera in that room, let them sneak in there, have an e-collar on them and correct them right there in the act of doing those things. And now that behavior gets minimized. Yes. So... Examples of limiting freedom, what we just talked about. Limiting human affection. We were talking earlier about, let's not make the dog get addicted to that human affection. Right. So we have to cut that down. It can't be this constant stroking or whatnot. That's not for the dog, that's for the human. Like We are using dogs as our own crutch for our emotional issues and it's not fair for the dogs. We are ruining dogs. This generation is ruining dogs by doing that. So we have to cut it down because we are causing anxiety in the dogs. Mm -hmm. It's mentally harming. Yep. They can't handle they can't, it. Yeah. They can't physically and mentally handle the affection because they become so addicted. It's just like a human being that becomes addicted to a drug after so long of getting it, your body relies on it. Your mental, um, stability relies on that drug to function um so it's the same concept for our dogs i need you <laughs> i need your affection to pet me yeah. i need you to cuddle me i need you 
So they're constantly up in your face, um, nudging you, rubbing up against you, um, just you know, whining, crying for that affection because now they have gotten to a place where they cannot literally function without it. And now they don't know what to do when you're gone, which creates the separation anxiety. Yeah. And then what um, happens when the dogs start to get worse and worse, the separation anxiety? People come home to what? Um, yeah, breaking out of the cage, yeah. uh, your house torn apart, your yeah. shoes eaten, your couch destroyed. I mean, there's all kinds. Pooping, I could go on, on and on and on with the outcomes of separation anxiety. It's, it's a very terrible thing to experience. If you are experiencing it, we can help you fix it. Um, but it's definitely something that we as pet owners today need to educate ourselves on and understand that it's not healthy for our dogs to have that over affection. We have to be a leadership role. The dogs look at constant petting and cuddling. They look at those kind of individuals as their litter mates, like their siblings, not their leader. They don't listen to their siblings. They don't listen to their litter mates. They listen to the leader. So we have to maintain that role of the mother dog. We can't be considered a litter mate or else the dog will not listen to us. Yep, let's respect us. Mm -hmm. We have to be the mom, basically. Yeah. Um, show the dog what it can and cannot do and feed him and correct him and clean him. Mm -hmm. It's basically our role in a dog's life. <laughs> yeah. And it's not cruel to not pet your dog all the time. I mean, if your dog's hanging out at your feet, they're getting affection from you. If your dog is in the same room as you, they're getting affection from you. Do healthy things to give the dog affection. Play ball with them. Yep. Take, Take them on, on a walk. Yeah. Yeah. Take a them walk. on car rides. Yeah. Walks, car rides, those are, those are good things too for the dog. Um, obviously, you want to create calmness inside of the car as well. Um, so anxious dogs don't do well in cars. Um, if you've ever experienced that, we can help you with that. <laughs> um, I have experience with that, so it is frustrating. And you obviously don't want to take your dog on any car rides or to any public places because they're so anxious that you can't control them. Um, but yeah, taking them on car rides, taking them to the Home Depot with you yeah. or to Lowe's, those are pet friendly stores. All of the pet stores in Ontario are pet friendly. Um, when you go and get his dog food, like take him with you. Yeah. Those are all things that shows affection to your dog. Petting is not the only way to show affection to your dog. And you can pet them once in a while. Just this constant petting and using the dogs as an emotional crutch, it's just ruining the dogs. It really is, mentally ruining them. And then now- It's they, paralyzing to them. Yeah, they end up getting to the point where they have separation anxiety from that, from that addiction to the affection and then people are rehoming them or uh, taking them to the shelter or whatever. And we talked about what happened at shelters earlier. Yes. It's just like, I have good dogs. I know you have good dogs too, but I know that I can ruin my dog. And if I do, I don't want to have to take my dog to the shelter Knowing just to find out. Knowing that it could potentially be being put down. Yeah, it's going to probably end up getting put down. It sucked. That thought just sucks to me and I'm going to do everything it's I can. It's heartbreaking because there's so many dogs out there that 
people, the pet owners were uneducated and couldn't control them and didn't understand how to train them properly. And so they couldn't mentally themselves take it. So now they have to get rid of the dog knowing like, I can't control my dog. I don't know what to do with him. I'm stressed out. He's stressed out. I, I have to, training. I have to take him. Yeah. I have to take him to the, to the pound and, or yeah, like he said, rehoming and I mean, the outcome can really be heartbreaking. So talk about limiting freedom. That's the limiting affection. The third thing is holding your dog accountable. We've been talking about corrections this, this whole, whole time. time. Yeah. They do something wrong, correct them. If you don't correct them, if you ignore it, it's condoning the behavior. If they're chewing up your couch and you're just sitting there looking at them doing it, then the dog is thinking, it's okay for me to do this because I'm not being stopped. And remember this, when you get puppies, you might find something cute or cuddly with your puppy uh -huh. when you first bring it home. However, those cute and cuddly things that you find interesting or um, funny at the time is not going to be funny when they mm -hmm. are uh, an adult dog yeah. because now you're expecting more out of them for one because now they're grown um, so nip those little things in the in the butt as soon as you bring your puppy home um, you know like I know that puppies like to nip and nipple on you when you're being playful correct that kind of stuff because you don't want your puppy thinking that it's okay to bite your kid yeah. even though you know he's playing but it can be harmful to a child um, we don't we don't use e-collars on uh, puppies under six months at least for corrections we can do pressure stuff with them but uh, generally we just wait until they're six months for all of it but they're just not mentally ready for the for the corrections on e-collar yet some dogs mature a little bit sooner than others but um on a general note, we're going to start around six months for e-collar corrections. So what we do instead, we'll correct with prong collars. That's yep. going to be our primary correction tool for puppies. Now, some puppies we can try to use like the old newspaper tactic. Like remember our grandparents, when they had a dog, they had a newspaper laying around them somewhere and dog gets a hold of a shoe and they just smack the dog with the newspaper or whatever. Um, we're not condoning abusing dogs or beating them but smacking your dog with a newspaper is not one of those things like that's it, okay yeah basically. it usually and it usually works another thing to keep in mind is you don't want to correct with the same thing as you give affection with so like using your hands or your your arms as a correction tool can also um cause submission in your dog so every time you lift your hand your dog is cowering down because you've used your hand multiple times and smacked it on the nose mm -hmm. for correcting an unwanted behavior so that's where um that's why we like to use you know like the newspaper tactic and um rolled up towels with rubber bands wrapped around them as mm -hmm. what we call a bonker um it, it it's a tool that you're not using your you know own physical self as a tool because you want your dog to not be afraid of you. You just want them to listen to you and respect you. Right. And we can actually like, say the dog is right here chewing up the couch. I could take the newspaper or the towel and actually just like throw it at the dog's head. And I'm not saying like be super so, hard yeah. with it, but hard enough to stop, you know, we don't want to tickle them. We want it to be uncomfortable. So just know that there's other options out there 
for for Especially puppies. Especially for the puppies, yeah. Now, when you get to adult dogs, it's more difficult to try to correct them with with a towel or with a newspaper and whatnot. But there's these magic tools that we can just sit here and press a button and then pick which level that we need it to be on. And we don't have to get up. Yeah, it's, it's a life changer. It's definitely a huge game changer in the dog world, especially for pet owners. I was 100% against them before I met Timmy. And I was like, I'm not throwing that shot collar on yeah. my animals. I don't care what they do. However, <laughs> when you buy three dogs at one time, you change your mind. <laughs> so I definitely opened my mind a little bit and kept, you know, that open mind about the e-collars and I let Timmy educate me on them and he gave me that little bit of knowledge that definitely changed my mind and was able to um, bring them into my life and I've never had a dog better than the ones that I have today. So the last thing that we want to talk about is just some potty training guidelines. So the best form of potty training is what? Taking the dog outside consistently. Well, yeah. So consistency, <laughs> repetition, very important, okay? If you have a new uh, puppy that's 8, 10, 12 weeks old, then every hour on the hour at minimum, yeah, that dog should be going outside. And when they go to the bathroom outside, it should be high praise very, and reward. Yes. Food rewarding. Yes. Like, tell the dog good, that they're doing such a yeah, good job. Good treats. Um, but as puppies, they like the softer ones. <laughs> The chewy ones. So just give them something that they really enjoy. Yeah. Could be a toy. Yes. Like my Malinois, they'll do anything for a tennis ball. Oh, so I could teach them anything that I want to teach them. As long as they get a tennis ball reward, they will do anything that I ask them to do. So find something that your dog or your puppy really enjoys, enjoys yes. and reward them with that. For going to the bathroom in the house, if you see it, correct it. If you don't see it, don't correct it. You go in the other room, you come back, there's a pile of poop on the floor, grumble under your breath, clean it up, and forget about it. But you need to keep that dog in the same room as you. Remember that limiting freedom thing. So if the dog's out of the cage, keep it on a leash. Keep it right beside you. Mm -hmm. um, Play with it, give it play time, whatever. If it's a puppy, it needs a lot of crate time. Why? Because we are creating that calm mind for the future. So whenever you're gone, overnight, uh, even sometimes throughout the day, puppies that are eight, 10, even 12 weeks old should be in the crate for at least 16 hours a day out of the 24 hour period in a day. Eight hours overnight, eight hours when you're gone at work, um, maybe a couple hours here and there while you are home. Mm -hmm. But the best method for potty training we found is crate training because dog, most dogs don't like to go in or go in the cage where they are laying. Right. Uh, so you will have, you know, those, um, dogs that will, um, if they have too much room, especially as a puppy, yep. if you have a large size kennel, and your puppy is a 12 week old puppy, it's still pretty small. That kennel, it, it, it has a lot of room in there. So if you, um, the majority of the larger kennels come with a divider, mm -hmm. um, you can 
shorten the length of the kennel by using the divider and give it enough room to basically lay down and they can it turn helps. around lay down yeah. and that's that's all the room that they need it helps with definitely potty training um keeping them from going to the bathroom inside the kennel yeah so that is your best method um if you are really struggling and they're still going to the bathroom on the floor even though you're correcting um when they're out of the cage you know then you might have to take a step back and just give them more crate time like there's nothing wrong with going a couple weeks and your dog spending most of its life in a cage until this potty training stops if there's that much of an issue like what's a couple weeks when you have 15 years with the dog absolutely but yeah look at the bigger picture look at the future look at how you really want your dog to be in a couple of months versus right now yep the puppy stages are rough from time to time mm -hmm. and yep it's cute and it's cuddly and you want to play with them and you want to do all of that puppy stuff however it's okay it's it's okay to let it live its life in that kennel for like timmy said two or three weeks if, if it's needed. It's got a 15-year lifespan, and what's that three weeks in a couple of months? It's gonna, it means nothing. You're just educating the dog at that point. But if you stay consistent with whichever method that you're using, like if you just keep the dog on a leash and whenever you're home and the dog's not going to the bathroom on the floor or anything because it's on that leash, well, keep doing that and then reward outside. Take them outside high rewards and you keep keep up with that repetition every hour on the hour every half hour or whatever that you need you need to do limit food and water um, limit food to like once a day um, twice a day something like that puppies generally twice a day because they they just need more consistent uh, feeding times but um, the water is a big thing like just generally one pound of body weight means one ounce of water or one ounce of water. If the dog weighs 20 pounds, 20 ounces of water for the day is sufficient. Now, if you go on a run with the dog, they're gonna need some more water, of course. But just uh, pay attention to that as a general rule. If you're feeding your dog a gallon a day and they aren't 128 pounds and there's not a bunch of physical activity going on, then your dog's gonna be peeing a whole lot so limit that water intake. And then I say within 30 minutes of eating or drinking, take them outside to go to the bathroom and high reward at that point. And then set your timer on your phone. Uh, 30 minutes later, you're gonna let your dog back out again. Just you can also pay attention to body language of the dog as well. If you have it out of its kennel and it starts getting restless, moving um, the minute it, you know, wakes up from a nap, take it outside. Um, like I said, movement, if, if he's playing around and then starts sniffing the ground, mm -hmm. um, he's probably looking for a place to go to the bathroom. Or sniffing the door. Yeah. Or just kind of staring at you for a couple seconds. That's how uh, Bandit is. He'll just look at us. He'll sit right in front of us and just stare at us. We're like, dude, what's your problem? <laughs> Quit being weird. And then my wife's like, uh, probably needs to go out. Okay. So every dog's gonna have its little thing that it does and just pay attention to that. Um, if you teach your dog to sit at the door every time that it goes outside, 
then what happens is now your dog knows, all right, if I sit by the door, the door is eventually gonna open and that leads to, okay, I gotta go to the bathroom, so I'm gonna go sit by the door and maybe the door will open. So you're just teaching your dog. That means when you have to go out, when you gotta go to the bathroom, go sit by the door. Yep. Good things. I um, met this one lady who hung a bell on her doorknob and taught her dog to hit the, the bell every time it wanted to go to the bathroom. I've seen people do that. I'm not a big fan of it though, because now every time the dog wants to go outside, it just goes over to the bell and starts thrashing it around. Um, like it'll start out like, oh, I gotta pee and nudge it with the nose. But then it's like, let me outside after it was just outside 10 minutes ago. So it rings the bell. And then you're like, no, you're just outside. You don't have to go to the bathroom, you know? And because you didn't let him out, then it just starts thrashing the bell around. So I guess I didn't really think about it. I thought yeah. it was kind of cool at first. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, we, but I guess, yeah, like Timmy said, after so long, it'll probably... They get very demanding. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't like a dog demanding me to do something like, right. hey, Especially after you already know. Take care of you. Yeah. <laughs> yep. All right. Well, I think that's everything that we're going to talk about today. We'll have some further topics in the future. I know a lot of you guys have commented and given us some ideas, but there's only so much stuff we can talk about at one time. I'm sure Christina's getting sick of sitting beside me. So. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does kind of smell bad, but we're not going to tell him that, okay? Um, however, there is uh, quite a few topics um, that people commented on my post that I posted on Facebook. We will hit all of those topics, just be patient with us. Um, Timmy um, mentioned earlier in the video that we he's going to be leaving for military stuff in the very, very near future, so he might not always be joining me on our podcast. Um, it might just be me, so hopefully you guys stick around. Or maybe I can record myself halfway across the world. Maybe we can figure out some sort of streaming platform and do it together. Yeah, that would, we'll figure that it out. would be, yeah. Either way, we'll keep, we'll keep you guys posted. All right, well, hope everybody's doing well and looking forward to educating you guys further in the future. Yep, don't Take care. forget to reach out if you have any questions.